What's up, y'all? This is Dr. Craig Waleed, your host here on the Prison to Promise podcast, where I explore strategies formerly incarcerated people use to avoid returning to prison. And on this episode, I'm joined by Mala Divine Mala, who is an author, blogger, speaker, publisher, reentry tactician, community stakeholder, social justice advocate, leadership development consultant, youth engagement specialist, and a credible messenger who served over 19 years in prison. Mala Divine Mala is also a social justice advocate who worked on the Close Rikers campaign, the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March, and he also lobbied in Albany, New York for the Khalif Browder Bill. This brother is full of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Listening to him will help you envision a pathway out of prison into a life of promise. Today I got the, I got the God with me, um, Muller Divine Muller, and so you know, real quick, man, if you could just like tell the people a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and you know how much time maybe you spent behind the wall. Okay, um, so my name is Muller Divine Muller. I'm an author. I'm also currently a reentry coordinator for um, the Center for Community Alternatives. I work with um juveniles and secure facilities. I also help manage the um the network, which is called NextGen. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Currently live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I did 19 and a half years in prison down in Virginia. I came home in September 10, 2014. Um, just got to it, went back to school, got my degrees, got a bachelor's degree in technology, got a social degree in technology, um, you know, got a few cloud certifications because eventually I want to move into cloud technology because it's something, it's certain things I want to do in this space that I don't think that's in this social justice space yet. You know, other than um, I see a lot of duplicating services and not a lot of innovating of services. So, you know, and I think that it does a disservice to our youth. No doubt. And thanks for sharing that. And so, like, how much time did you do behind the wall, uh, Allah? 19 and a half years. Okay, so you went away when you were just like a young boy. No, I went away at, at 20 years old. I was a young adult. Yeah, very young adult. Yeah, not so much a boy, but a young adult. So how did you go from, you know, being somebody living in Brooklyn, you know, with a life of promise to ended up locked up? See, because I never changed my mentality. Mm. So I used to be a stick-up kid. So in 92, I got locked up in New York. I was able to get Y.O., which is youthful offender status based off the policies that New York have. So I got youthful offender status. I went to an ATI program, which is called Alternative to Incarceration Program. And 
while I was in the program, if I violated, I was looking at a three to nine. So, but if I finished the program in six months and um, all I would have was probation for five years. So I went down, I graduated and I came off Rikers Island. I went, to, I went back to school. I had enough credits to be a senior. I graduated in 93. I had some resources, so I went down to a historical black college in Virginia called um, Norfolk State University. I didn't even last two semesters because I came down there with a mentality that didn't belong on that campus. And the people I came with, their mentality didn't belong on that campus. Mm -hmm. So we got what people posted get who come with a mentality that don't belong in a certain space. Indeed. And so can you talk maybe a little bit about what that mentality was in, in a certain space versus what it should have been and what it was? Facts. See, you can change your environment, but if you don't change your mentality, you either going to try to change the environment to your mentality. And um, a lot of times you're not going to be successful at that because the environment, especially if the environment existed longer than you was alive or the environment is not suitable for that type of mentality. Mm -hmm. So you took this stick up kid mentality down there and it just didn't work. No, not the stick up kid mentality. The overall, if you get out of line, it's going to be violence. Okay. Okay. So just basically it just wasn't what you needed to have the type of mentality you needed to have to be on a college campus period. That's a fact. Indeed. But indeed. you don't you don't know you don't know that until triggers triggers start people do shit and when parts of people do things and they start pulling, they start um pressing buttons and triggering you, and you're gonna do what comes normal to you. You're gonna respond and what comes natural to you. Mm. And a lot of time it's it's unfortunate during the 90s era, yeah, violence was natural. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because you talked about, you know, they push buttons. And I know like for myself and probably as you're talking about yourself, you know, when bus buttons are pushed, sometimes we don't even understand, you know, what the reactions really are going to be. We just respond based on the buttons that's pushed, you know. And so you find yourself doing a gang of time right. down in Virginia. So while you was locked yes. up, like what was what made you like start to think differently? Because clearly you're doing like great things with your life today. You're impacting the community, but you know that didn't just, just start once you stepped out of the bing. So like, what encouraged you to start making these changes once you were incarcerated, and what were those changes? Well, um, you just start like first I was testified on, so that was an eye opener because I didn't think people did that, and um, yeah. you know that just. That's just a fact. And then unchanged. I started having my ears to the street and, um, you know, an incident happened um, with my brother and somebody else that was in the streets and the dude who I wanted the police. It's like, it showed me like if a person feels like you stronger than them or some gangster type time and you get out on them, instead of them coming back to you with supposed to be the rules of engagement you know right. the person went to the police and my brother wound up getting 25 years 
Then I had another a young a young a young um a young friend of mine. He's actually the little brother of a friend that's my peer. He wrote me from the juvenile detention upstate New York, and he was saying how you know he was fourteen at the time. I had to be twenty one because I still I was fresh. Yeah. And um I, and he was saying how. You know, he admired my gangsta. I was a street general and this and that. And I'm like, wow, because I never did anything in front of him that I couldn't remember, or I never encouraged him to do anything himself, other than, you know, go to school, pull your pants up, and yo, here's right. a hero sandwich. I'm gonna buy you a hero sandwich because I used to see him come home from school. So, but the fact that, you know, that let me know people be watching you when you don't even see them. They be admiring you when you don't even realize they admiring you. And um, that that was impactful too. So I was like, you know, I realized that I owe, I owe people that came behind me mm. that fell in some of the same steps. The people that I didn't know that came behind them that fell in the steps and they fell. So yeah. it's like, you know, you got to make a, a choice at some time along the way to be social responsible. And mm -hmm. I made that early on in my bed once I tapped out of the street thinking mentality. Yeah, yeah. And what made you like tap out of the street thinking mentality? Like, because and I, and I asked that because you and I both know, you know, we did time behind the wall and a lot of cats hold on to that mentality. So what made you different? Why did why, why didn't you hold on to that mentality? I don't think that um, I'm different because I know a lot of brothers that was tapping out of that mentality. It's just like you, like, you know, I was facing life in 28 years. You know, only thing higher than that is natural life and the death penalty. Right. So it's like, you know, I analyze, I wound up getting 55 years. I just ain't like the results. You know, if, 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 if being a stand-up guy or how young dudes would say today, being a real nigga, if yeah. this is the results of that, I don't want those results. I don't want them. Like, equality. So it's not like I became this religious person or something like that. I just became more strategic in my critical thinking analysis. And I like, yo... You know, I like to live. I like to move around. I like to be around women. I like to eat food. I like yeah. to travel. You know, so you can't do those things in there. And right. then now that I know that they do have Wi-Fi out here, because there wasn't no Wi-Fi in prison. Right. So it was like, to me, Wi-Fi is like the greatest thing that was invented. Absolutely. So it was like, I'm not trying to, like, I'm not trying to put myself I'm not trying to go back into an archaic situation because that's what prison is. If I got to struggle out here sometimes, I'd rather struggle, you know, you know, being a professional while I'm trying to figure out my next moves to make, you know, my life a, a little bit more comfortable. I'm not, I don't have a bad life right now, but it's a, it's a working man's life. Yeah, man. You know, so that means I, I got a budget money. I gotta pay rent, you know. I gotta make sure my daughter is all right every mm -hmm. month, and um, you know, I gotta watch what I spend. I gotta check my bank apps to make sure I don't overspend. 
I don't mm. like living like that. So I know that I got to keep doing the things that keep developing. That's going to put me in a space that where I don't got to look at my bank app when I want to go do something. Right, right, right. But I, I'm willing I'm willing to bet, and I'm sure you will agree, that checking your bank app is better than checking your commissary account. That's a fact. You know what I mean? That's definitely that's definitely a fact. So, like, like I said, you know, I've been home seven and a half years. Yeah, you man. know, it's a it's a good thing. Like, I don't even I'm not even built for prison no more. I don't even I don't even know if I can get into that type of mind frame. And if I can get into that mind frame again, I don't think I will be able to get out that mind frame because I know that. If I go to prison at this age, it's a wrap. Yeah, man. It's a death sentence. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'd rather, you know, I'd rather take, the, I'd rather take the, um, the slow route. I'd rather take the route that it is resistance because, you know, a lot of times if you don't, if you're not legit, you don't really realize the things that you come up against because you have a, a, a ex, you are, you are returning citizen. Yeah. Like, you know, like when I went to, um, when I started looking for apartment back out, out here in Brooklyn, you know, when me and, you know, my fiance, we wound up breaking up. So I, I moved back out here to Brooklyn, but first, but I was find an apartment out in Jersey so I can be closer to her and my baby. And, um, like yo, I'm 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 getting turned down after turn down after turn down, and you know them application fees ain't free, but I'm still I'm still being penalized. I was still being penalized, which is kind of crazy because yeah. you have to imagine having the resources to pay your rent and want to pay your rent, but not but people denying you because of something. Because my charge actually happened when I was 19 years old. Yeah, yeah. So from something that happened when I was 19 and I'm looking for an apartment at 46 and I'm being penalized by something that happened at 19 after I've been home all this time, as well as, you know, I did 19 and a half years. Like, yo, I served the penalty for, yeah. for my crime. Yeah. So, and what business is it of people out here that um, I don't have, I'm not I'm not registered I'm not a sex offender you know is is so it was, it, it was kind of crazy man and it was kind of disheartening and um you know and um it was like you know it was an eye-opener it was an eye-opening experience yes indeed yes indeed what would you uh suggest to other young people or old old timers or ogs or whoever coming behind you who might be facing the same situations you know of discrimination um, community um, outcast, you know, despite the fact that you served your time, what what would be some things you'd tell people who are um, going to be maybe experiencing similar well, issues like that, like you described? The first thing I would tell them is, oh, you know, like um, recognize that the, the credit burbles run your run you against three other credit burbles. I mean, and um and these are groups that check for your background check check if you ever been evicted but you can opt out of those bureaus because you never gave them permission to have your information oh, wow. so once you opt out of those bureaus when the yeah. three major credit um um reporting agencies try to check you through them 
you will no longer be there. But I didn't learn that until the end. I actually put it in my my book because I got a reentry reentry book, reentry strategies and staying free, and I put it in there. It's, it's all the way in the back because like that's when that happened when I was almost finished with that book. So I said, yo, I can't I can't put this book out without sharing these gems right here, you know? And it's like, it's like, cause I know people ain't never heard of Core Logic or Innovest or Sage, but those the those the those the people that the three main credit bureaus check. In reality, it's like over 500 credit bureaus, but when mm. it comes to like your background check, the three that I, I named. So yeah. I would say go opt as soon as you get home, opt out, you know, opt out or freeze those accounts where they won't even have access to them. And so um, how can a person you opt know, out? take it from there? So like my lease about to be up now, you got to go to their page and then it, it, it'll have the instructions about how to opt out. Mm -hmm. And who are the three credit unions? You know, but they know most people. It's Core, Core Logic, Innovest, and um, Save. Okay, that's dope to, to learn because that's some that's some new information for me as well, you know. And so, yo, one of the things I wanted to uh, kind of go back to is like when you were inside, man. Like, how did you prepare yourself to get out? Because I know you did a gang of time, but you did some things ahead of getting out because you didn't just drop on this on the scene and was ready to hit the ground running. You had to do some things before you got there. What were those things that you did? First and foremost, I didn't know I was getting out the year I got out because yeah. I, par I paroled out and um, I, I went up, for, I, that was my 11th time going up. So I, mm -hmm. I didn't realistically think I was going to make parole. I thought I was going to max out in mm -hmm. 2000, I think it was either from 2023 to 2028. It all depend on how much good time I was with, with. but I knew I had a I knew I had a bag number regardless. So right. I used to just read, I used to just study, I used to just stay on top of what was going on, like you know, nationally, politically, locally. You know, I had my practical studies and I had my other studies, my self development studies. Yeah, man. So I was like, I yeah, was man. never out the loop as far as mentally. You know, I never let my mind get locked up. And then um, I was uh, um, like on the weekends, I used to like, like after I go in a rec yard, I would go to first rec call, come back, shower. I was done probably to like the night call if it was the summertime. Um, but I never went to the afternoon rec call, like really to talk about it. So, and I would just sit back. I would watch the the, the the different shows on PBS, the travel shows, the cooking shows. Then on then Sundays, I used to watch um the show, the dude from CNN. I used to travel that um that that hung itself. They say he hung himself, committed suicide. I used to watch his Anthony show. So I I kept my mind out out there. No matter, I never let my mind get focused on being inside of a prison environment. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain. I used to love his show. Yeah, you know, no I, I could. I used to watch this show every Sunday, and um, and I just kept my, I just, I just kept my mind, I just kept my mind outside. But I knew the reality that you know I might have to do twenty eight to thirty years. So, and um, 
I just kept fresh. I was like, yo, if I got to do that time, I'm going to do that time. And then when I, I even had an e-migration plan for myself. Cause I feel like if I do all that time, I'm going to come home, work for like two years. And I was going to try to migrate to a country in Africa. I had the things that I had the things in my e-migration plan that I need to research and all of that. Like, nice. yeah. So, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of my own experience. I did eight joints in, in New York State. But one of the things a, a person told me, you know, one of my mother's yeah, friends, yeah, so she said, you know. was locked up mentally. Yeah, yeah. that's what she told me, my mother's friend. She said, you know, they got your body, but don't let them get your mind. And so you describing your experience made me think about my own experience. I always watched the news, I always read like current magazines, always tried to stay um, hip to what was happening in the community. And I think that really helped me transition back into the community. So that's really powerful to hear. How about like supports? Like what kind of supports did you have? Like either transitioning or why you were in or both? Um, You know, support always stronger when you first get locked up and, and, and it dwindles down. Yeah. And it dwindles down because of like you lose people. Like I lost my father my third year in prison. You know, my father and mother was married. So that had a change on the household. And, um, you know, and so I really, the letters I was getting from, from friends and families that dwindled down, you yeah. know, my mother, I always had access to her, but yeah. I felt like I got myself into a situation. So I wasn't writing home like, yo, I need money. I need this. I need that work I just I work like yeah. I work cell house which is you know you clean up the pod area you know yeah. um I don't worked in the kitchen before I don't worked in the shoe shop but the yeah. but my favorite um job I had was the job I had the last five years before I came home was I was a teacher's aide yeah. so I was helping people get their GED wow and um uh, that sounds know, just so, like my story you know, but working, like, you know, like, it taught me a valuable lesson. Mm. It taught me how to budget a little bit of money because I didn't know what budgeting was when I was um out in society because I didn't have the budget. You yeah, know? Like, you know, I just go on, I just go and get money. Right. And do what I need to do. Spend so it. So when that money got want. low, I went in my closet or went in the bank and got more money. So... Yeah. You know, so I wasn't really too much concerned. I didn't even know about budgeting. Like, I didn't even really know that was a real concept mm. until I got into prison. Mm. And um, so I know how, I, I learned how to do more with less. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it gave me a skill set that I didn't have. And yeah. I was, I'm appreciative of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's deep, brother. That's really deep. I appreciate you sharing that insight and that wisdom. You heard me? So, you know, like, yeah. what are the things you're doing nowadays with yourself, you know, like to add on to the community, to add on to the society? Well, besides working as a reentry coordinator, because I'm not always going to be in that position, right? but I'm always working in space, whether it's um, volunteering my time and my energy, you know, and, um, but it's like, I think you have to be an advocate. Mm. I don't say activist because I think of people like Al Sharpton that's like paid yeah. 
the leaders of the Black Lives Matter, they they paid activists. They paid right. Right. Mallory Jones. People, they paid. They they go where the money's at. Right. But when you an advocate, you advocate was your call. See, I'm not an activist because I ain't with every cause. Like, there's a lot of causes I'm just not with that I'm just not fighting for. Feeling. I, I advocate what, you know, because right. I feel that impacted me. Mm -hmm. And I need to change. So, mm -hmm. you know, a person that takes on more of an uh, uh, activist role, they might be for everything. They might be for this rights, human rights, gay rights, feminist rights. Oh, I ain't with none of that. I ain't with none of that. Like, you know, because that ain't my fight. And I just don't have the human capacity to spread my energy with all these different fights. People yeah. that's supposed to fight, they fight. Because I don't see them. I don't see them on my side fighting right you know because they they know and understand that energy is limited yo it's only what 24 hours in a day Indeed. and some of those hours you got to take a, a a rest yeah so so it's like you gotta you gotta you gotta be targeted on how you spend your energy and and that also goes to how you advocate and what what you advocate for and most times people advocate for the things that affect them right like, like i said because you ain't getting paid yeah you see the impact of what affect you and you know if it's impacting you it's probably impacting at least tens of thousands other people mm -hmm. and yeah. there's so many different things so many different fights to fight that's a fact you yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. it's mathematically impossible. So what what is your fight I, today? I didn't hear you. Yeah, I was saying, so what is your fight today? What is like your major um thing that you're going after oh. advocating for? Well, so I'm advocating for like, you know, Right now, I was I was I was advocating for the Clean Slate Act to pass up here in New York. If it was to pass, it's the gist of it is if you have a if you come home and you've been home a certain amount of time, your record automatically gets sealed. Mm. So that was the last thing that I was you know fighting for. They just had the budget. I think the budget um, wranglings is still going on. Yeah. I don't think it passed. I think it got I think it got tabled. So, yeah. you know, that's what. And I went to I went to um, Albany. I did some lobbying and everything, because I oh. think that's important. Absolutely, a person record being sealed because most people that been home a certain length of time statistically shows that once they make past three years, then five years. The, they're not likely to go back to prison. And I spoke maybe a few weeks ago with a panel and um, with a, a few other brothers that was formerly um, system impacted. And um, yeah. one brother, he had five degrees, man. And one of them was a PhD. Other brother had two bachelors and a master. Yeah. Other brother was working on his master's. And so when I'm talking to the youth, I'm telling them, I'm like, yo, According to statistics, if you got locked up under 21, you have a 71% chance of coming back to prison. Mm. But I said, if you do not show them the stats on, if you got a vocational trade, it goes down to 
percent. You got a, a, a I think, a associate's degree, go I think a twenty eight percent. If you got a bachelor's degree, seventeen percent. Master's six percent. No, parcel. That's a lie. Master's degree, it goes to zero. Mm. It goes down to zero. Mm. So they know that. They know that it's a direct relationship between education and recidivism. Yeah, man. The more education you got, the lower the recidivism rate is. Yeah, this man. is what they like to say. This is evidence based. Yeah. This is nothing that I made up. Right, right, right. And, These um, are protective so factors. I was, I was, yeah. Yeah. So, and I was sharing that with them. And, um, you know, some of them are receptive. Some of them, right now, they don't understand. But the good thing, too, is they also passed in New York to bring the Pell Grants back. So, right. the ones, the, those, the, the ones that's going up, up north, they gonna have the opportunity to 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 educate themselves and come home with degrees. Hopefully, they can come home with a few degrees, you know. Right. So, and I shared that with them, you know, because a lot of time, man, like a lot of these young people don't see people like them that maybe went through situations that was worse than them, went mm-hmm. through the hell, yeah, and came and came out the rents. That's right. I like that. Because the old timers talk about if you don't I'm not going to say I'm not going to Yeah, so I'm not going to say that, you know, I I, I came out um, unscathed because that's not the truth. Indeed. You know, because I think everybody come home with um, with um, post-prison a trauma. Yes, sir. And um, but a lot of time we don't realize that and um and they know it's a thing. They know it's a thing because I I done read like I had a good friend of mine that I did time. We did like twenty six years. He came home. You know he was home. He was almost home two years, and he wound up killing himself in front of his um mm. his wife and his mother. Mm. And I was like, Dad, what what type of pain son was feeling that he couldn't even share? Because I had spoke to him five days prior to that, and. He killed himself on my daughter's birthday. So it's always going to be edged in my mind on her second second birthday. Wow. So it's like, I can't. So every time my daughter turned that age, I'm going to always remember that that son killed himself on my daughter's birthday. Mm. So that's when I started looking at. Yeah. So that's when I started looking at the mental health aspect of, um, you know, coming, doing time and coming home and transitioning. And then I was, you know, I see myself slipping in certain areas that's just far, like, you know, like socially skills mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, especially with my ex-fiance. So mm-hmm. I wound up going to therapy. I went for, I went to therapy and- um, That's powerful. I had, a, I had a person of color, you know, so, you know, I Think if I would have went to if I would have had a person that wasn't a color, I wouldn't have been open. I wouldn't have been right. honest because right. I'm not telling you certain things right. because I'm you don't you. you're not from my cultural background. You just not going to understand. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, know, so you know, I did that. You know, um, I deliberately. I did, huh? No, I was just gonna say. I think that's such a big step, man. Because as black men, and particularly us black men who've been incarcerated, a lot of times we don't take that step. So I think people need to hear that from you, you know, that it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to admit that I need some help. That's a fact. 
That's a fact. But see, it's like black people in this country, we, we deal with trauma, whether we went to prison or not, man. Sure enough. You man. know, and um I was um it was a it was a book that was recommended. I wound up giving it to my ex recently because I because she's a guidance counselor. I knew she can get more out the book than I can. It was called Gifted Hands mm. by Rob Messer. And he talked about how trauma is actually in your body. That's where trauma start is in your body. Yeah. And then um maybe years ago, um I saw, you know, on, I think it was on YouTube or something. It was like a four minute um clip. And the person was talking about that um um genetically memories could be passed down too. So then it was like they identified some gene that's posted. That 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 was altered or came down through slavery. Yeah, subgenetic transfer. So I'm like, wow, like see, it's like the more um technology we develop, a lot of stuff starts to come out. That's just like a lot of history that's being uncovered. Like, you know, when I see books that come out in 214, 215, I'm like, damn, because most of the books I was reading on history came out in night from 1930 to 19, probably um 80, 85, early 90s. So yep. the fact that people are writing books, history books, this and that, shows you that as we get more in tune with technology, I'm reading a book right now called um um, the delectable Negro, the God, my man, he put me on it. You know what I mean? So I got the book. So the delectable Negro, that book came out in 2014. Mm. They was he was detailing how they were eating our people, yo, during slavery. And I, I, the first chapter I read was the Nat Turner chapter. Mm. They ate Nat Turner, yo. Wow. They, they ate Nat Turner. So I'm like, why did I? I said I don't. I thought I heard every story of Nat, about Nat Turner. Yeah, it's a loop for me. I wanted to say last week because that's what I think I got the book last week, and I'm like, I'm like, it's it's called delectable Negro. Right, delectable and, um, meaning tasteful. Yeah, yeah, and um, a brother, a brother, a brother, a brother, a brother, a fellow researcher, he wrote. He wrote that book, and I think he died mm. while he was writing that book. I don't know why mm. he died. What he right. died from? I think he was sick. He didn't get. He didn't get killed. I think he died. Was he part of the body? Um, but the but he already left instructions. He was a a professor down south somewhere. Okay. You know what I mean? They, the book, the dude that did the intro was like, he was a he was definitely a queer, a black oh. part of the black queer movement. Okay. And, um, and um, so, but he was a he was a professor, he was a researcher. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I was like, I was I was like, yo, so he set instructions that so he must know he was gonna die if he set instructions in place to give this manuscript to um whoever he told the person to get a manuscript to, to get the book published. Right. So I, he didn't see his book get published. Mm, but so he knew. That, that, that says a testimony to Yeah. Wow, man. That's heavy, bro. So he, and wh what's the name of the, the author? I, mm -hmm. I think I need to look that book up. Hold on. Let me go with my own. Um, you could just Google the 
Blackable Negro. It's the only yeah. book that's out there. That's okay, book. I'm going to do that then, no doubt. So, yo. It's a beige book. Okay, okay. So if, if if there was some wisdom, man, that you could drop on some some people that's coming behind us, some people that's listening to this podcast, what would be some wisdom, some knowledge, some insight that you would drop on them? Don't be loyal. I would say this, man. And, um, I would say, I would say this. I would say, um, don't be loyal to a person or an idea that mm. make you disloyal to yourself. Mm. That's Dig. what I would say. Yeah. Okay, don't be disloyal to yourself. Don't let an ideal or person make you disloyal to yourself. That's heavy, yo. You heard yeah, me? Yeah, being, being loyal to them makes you disloyal to yourself. Yeah. You gotta like recognize when you've been disloyal to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's imperative because yeah. a lot of stuff that I got into, like physical stuff, mm-hmm. wasn't even my. But you know, when it, when it, when when it's time to go, we ain't asking no questions. Right, right, right. So that's really big. Just look at you, like yo, this, am I putting myself in the best situation? Yeah, and that's that true you know, knowledge. Then when you get into the situation, you see where people at. You know, yeah. yeah. That's that true knowledge of self right there, you know, understanding yourself versus somebody else's fact. reality. Indeed. And so, yo, man, before before I close out, I want to ask you maybe if you could talk about some of your own projects. You know, what are like some of the books you've done? What are some of the, the you know, the papers you've wrote? What are some of the podcasts you've uh, produced, whatever? And how can people uh, find out, you know, more about you and how can they contact you? So you said what well, what well, as far as my books, yeah. Um I wrote currently I, I wrote four books. Mm-hmm. The first one that I re-put out was the first one was the urban political street thriller called The Hidden Hand Duality of Self. So I, I'm the father of that genre. It's, it's more of a it's more of a um it's a, it's a it's a dope read, but you're gonna get some information out of it as well because the characters that I use, the growth of the characters, the description of the book. And I put like, cause I put social, I put identification in there, police brutality. And it's a lot of street stuff going on as well. Mm-hmm. My second book is a memoir, Prison Survival Hell's Prison. It's about, you know, the 19 and a half years I did in prison about my transformation process is chock full of gems mm-hmm. about transformation about if you find yourself in a situation how you should conduct yourself yeah then um my re-entry book re-entry strategies and staying free you know is based off of the things that i did to get off re-entry i mean the things that i did to get off early parole right? based off the blueprint that i that i felt that was most necessary so i put that in the book and then my last book is just a, a, a collection of poems I honored that and dedicated to one of my other bros that passed away from COVID at the end of the year. He was mm. a poet, but he never got a chance to put out his book of poems. Bless and up. I had all these poems sitting in my on my hard drive. So I said, yo, let me put my book of poems out and dedicated it to him. And I named the name of his organization called The Struggle Is Real. Yeah, man. And I got 
a website, which is my name, Allah Devon Allah. You can find all that on there. And I do have a podcast. It's called Malaw's Insight. And okay. I'm about to I'm about to revive it for the second season. You know, and I'm I like, you know, because I want to do it a little bit better because I started it up during the height of COVID because we was all trapped in the house. Right. And I and I needed I needed another creative outlet. Right. But like I said, but then I got a little bit more understanding of the podcast. I'm more like, you know, um, from a technical point of view. So that'll be that'll be up. And as far as like, you know, the the I'm on Spotify, Apple, um, I'm probably everywhere where they got podcasts. Okay. And if people want to see the video version, they could just go to my YouTube channel, which is my name too, Malaw Divine Malaw. And spell your name out for the people. M-A-L-L-A-D-I-V-I-N-E-M-A-L-L-A-H. Malaw Divine Malaw. Okay, so if they want to find you, they could check you on uh, YouTube and they can look up. They can, just Google, they can Google my name and like the first two pages is going to be all about me because I got a lot of content out from interviews that was done with me, from different interviews I done did, from different panels I done sat on. So like I have a lot of body of workout. That's peace. All right. Well, that's that's great then. So folks, check out the, the God, Malaw, Divine Malaw. Check out the brother. Uh, Peep is, is inside his wisdom. And um, listen and learn. So, is there anything else, brother, that you would like to close out with before we uh, sign out? Stay in your truth, man. And your truth might not look like your homeboy truth. Your truth might not look like your wife's truth. Your truth might not even look like your parents' truth. But stay in your truth, because if you don't stay in your truth, you don't stay on your path. You're going to get the consequences because because the universe is going to correct you to get back on the path that you're supposed to be on. Yo, and that's that's what I'm going to grow on. And so with that, we're out. If you or someone you know would like to share their story on this podcast or you'd like to leave a comment, please drop me a line at lowercase d-r-c-r-a-i-g-w-a-l-e-e-d at gmail.com. That's Dr. Craig Walid at gmail.com. Peace.